0: Listeners, I'm Nina, a Wonder Woman enthusiast and program coordinator at the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco,
1: and I'm Jessica, a disciple of the Church of Jillian Anderson. Praise be our Ginger Queen. Welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast. Praise be. Praise be.
0: Last time on this podcast, we touched on movies and subtext and queer baiting, but here we have some better news. Today, we're here to spread the good word about the rise of the TV queeros or queer superheroes. So I know this is subject matter that you, Jessica, have been very excited to talk about. <laughs>
1: Yes, it is something that that I think is very important. Accurate depictions of queer superheroes. Obviously not exactly how they're depicted in the comics, but the fact that their queerness is intact from the adaptation from the comic book to the screen in live action. I think that's really important. And it hasn't actually happened as often as you might think, despite how many queer superheroes are on TV. So I just really... It's important to focus on the ones that actually take the time to honor the queerness of the characters
0: they're adapting. That is super awesome when they can actually get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so so doing your research, we thought this was going to be a really fun show, like talking about all the exciting stuff. I know that it was a little bit more uh, muddy for you in terms of like there was some good stuff and some bad stuff, but we'll kind of like... We're going to focus on the, on on the, the good uh, the Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. primarily
1: on the good stuff. It's, you know, I mean, the bad stuff is just really just that there could be more and there isn't, which is obviously a common theme. <laughs> that, yeah. But, that's always
0: going to be a theme. Yeah. Why did you choose The Runaways as the first series for us to talk about? I chose
1: The Runaways because it has probably the most honest depiction of a young queer teenager coming out that I've seen in a superhero comic. That translates really well to the series on Hulu, uh, which is a Marvel show, and they did it in a really great way, and they were actually really faithful to the character of Carolina Dean in the comics, and that really stood out to me because I think it's it's really important because it's a teenage story, and here we have this really beautiful story of her coming out and then being out and proud and a superhero, you know, and that's really cool
0: and And often we think about queer representation in terms of our peers and our sort of adult queer community, and it's really important to remember what that queer representation means to kids that are going through this stuff today and how it's affecting them so you mentioned that the so the the couple is Carolina and julie powers well well
1: um julie powers uh is her current girlfriend at the start of most recent run of the comic i was gonna say i haven't read the new ones but i read the old ones i was like i don't remember that okay guys (laughs) okay guys there's gonna be like there's gonna be some spoilers so i'm i'm gonna try to avoid spoilers as much as possible however you know like
0: There's some stuff we just got to talk
1: about. Yes, but the current run is being written by a writer called Rainbow Rowell. Amazing. Amazing name.
0: That is the queerest name. It is the best. (laughs) For an author. I love it. Best name.
1: And honestly, her writing for Carolina Dean... And Nico this season, or this season, I'm thinking of the show. They basically readdress something that happened in towards the end of Volume One, where basically Carolina makes an advance on Nico because she feels like they're having a moment, and then Nico shuts her down, and there's like that tropey little queer panic moment where she's like, "Oh, I thought." I thought you were into me. And she's like, I mean, not like, you know, it's not like that, blah, blah. You know, and then, yeah. and then Car- Carolina is struggling with not only dealing with her parents being villains, but now like the girl yeah. she's crushing on doesn't like her and Nico
0: didn't really handle it in the best way. And it's. And do you feel like it was like a turning down in a, I like, I like you, but not in the queer way like yeah, you or just like, like an honest any like anyone in a relationship yeah might. it
1: wasn't handled super awful but it's still very th- those
0: <laughs> what, what does that mean it wasn't handled super awful well because queer panic storylines
1: in tv and comics and movie, like anywhere have notoriously like ending friendships or you know like mm-hmm. oh like get away from me it, it's like nico nico's yeah. reaction wasn't quite that but it also wasn't great for carolina because she got her heart broken and yeah. those that can be really traumatic to like a young reader so that happens fairly early on in the first run around it would have been around 2004 2005 and now all the way in 2018 <laughs> they finally revisit that moment and it's really beautifully written they basically retconned a few things that was kind of the goal of this current run of the comics so the intro to issue 12 it has those panels as they played out earlier. And then it's got like this inner monologue from Nico where she's talking about sometimes you don't get a second chance. And then my favorite quote, life doesn't keep opening doors for idiots who slam them shut without thinking. And then that's yeah. Kind of good advice. It's great advice. (laughs) And honestly, it's like it, it was a really good opening. And then basically it leads into the whole, that whole issue where it's basically about Nico trying to make amends with carolina and be like hey like i i'm in a different place now i understand myself more and i want to give it another shot so spoilers whatever i don't care read it (laughs) trust me i don't do it justice
0: (laughs) and i yeah i like that what you were saying about sort of like in updating it for this queer generation it made it less about, like, once it happens, like, it's either yes or no and you either are with them forever or it's just, like, it's the worst thing and you have to hate yourself and because it's never going to work out, that um, it's a more human and honest approach to it where it's like, you know what, maybe it didn't work out one time, but circumstances change and it's, that that feels like it's just such a better Story and a better way to start exploring a relationship of any kind yeah
1: the entire runaways comic series i think if you're looking for something for like a young kid to read like a preteen and onward like i think Mm. it's perfect because not just Carolina's story but all of their stories are really good and and also carolina after that whole shutdown with nico early on in the comic series she does go on to have you know Decent relationships with people like her and Julie Powers are very happy. This, uh, you know, and but in issue eight, things kind of fall apart and it happens in a way that is somehow mortifying, heartbreaking, original, and hilarious all at once. And it's amazing. And it's like, I it was probably the most intriguing relationship falling apart storyline I've ever read. So I highly recommend you guys read the current run.
0: So do you know who does the art on that series? Uh, Chris Anka does the art. And who's the colorist? Uh, Matthew Wilson. I do have to say,
1: I really appreciate that when the show adapted these characters of uh, Carolina and Nico, they didn't go with the whole Carolina confiding in Nico and then Nico turning her down initially. Which I really appreciated. Like, Nico's actually more receptive to it in the show. That's awesome. And I'm like, thank you for not
0: going down that road because a lot I mean it means they get to explore the relationship like at all <laughs> not just the panic yeah yeah you know? and you
1: don't have to like drudge your viewers through that gay panic thing so that's something mm-hmm. I really appreciated a lot and that actually is really important for young people watching that show
0: yeah the other thing i was going to say that's really important i'm glad this you mentioned the series I'm glad you mentioned that this series is good for younger readers. So like preteen, teens sort of trying to figure themselves out. I know that when I was coming out reading queer literature, because there wasn't a whole lot of representation in comics at the time, was a really big part of me figuring stuff out um, and really helped me a lot. So now they have comics. And I but they don't have Tumblr. (laughs) <laughs> no they don't have tumblr but we're not gonna go down yeah, that yeah, okay. Hole. okay okay
1: okay <laughs> um i mean that's great i mean if i had this comic book when i was younger it would have it would have done it would have done magical things for me but i didn't have it uh i had well, i i did have buffy
0: and i did have er so yeah so there is something else that does magical things to you, and that is Black Lightning and the representation that's Yo. been in those comics and that show. Yes. Uh, Black Lightning, I think, it deserves far more credit than
1: uh, I think uh, people give it now. That I think it's kind of being overshadowed a little bit because of the big news about Batwoman finally getting her first show. And I think mm-hmm. we, we do need to... Uh, respect the fact that Black Lightning brought us our first black lesbian superhero in Thunder, played by Nefessa Williams, and Anissa Pierce, who is Thunder, Black Lightning's daughter, oldest daughter. Who's awesome. She's so show. good! My favorite character, by far. I want to see Thunder in all the promos.
0: Well, uh, one of the things that is concerning for me is that they're not including Black, black Lightning it seemingly as part of the larger Arrowverse, despite... You know, being made in the same sort of like style and same channel or same network, all of that, that it it seems to be seen as an outsider away from Arrow and Supergirl and the Flash. So, I don't think they've established what Earth there are in in the TV show. That's a that's a little bit of a
1: problem. I want Black Lightning to exist in Supergirl's world, uh, personally. And
0: Mm -hmm. I I do like that, like, it it has more of a uptick in spirit and being a positive Mm -hmm. focused show instead of it it does kind of dark and gritty a little bit like Arrow or Batman style, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely a much more positive show. But The Flash is also a very upbeat show as long as they rotate which shows they're including exactly so that it's yeah. not the same three shows in every yeah in the next
1: one i'd like to see it but uh and, and also the great thing about having thunder in black lightning is the fact that we also get grace choi who's played by chantel thai i mean they have great chemistry together and like the cool thing is that when they 1st fir- they're uh, obviously they're both like they've uh, first appeared together in the outsiders comic books And then basically it's revealed down the line that they're in a relationship so technically in the comics grace choi is actually bisexual because she Mm -hmm. had a relationship with one of the guys from the outsiders who kind of recruits everybody in the beginning but bisexuality is still still queer i i I know and then in the show in the show (laughs) she's actually i believe as far as i know they're only portraying her as a lesbian so that's fine i mean she's very obviously look looks like she's an amazon (laughs)
0: <laughs> you mm-hmm. know yeah, yeah she's
1: not in amazon in the show but she's asian so that's that's cool and uh so i i'm just glad that they stuck true to that and them together is so good in in season two like uh i was a little worried that they weren't gonna explore superhero powers with her in because of the in the first season she's like in two episodes But in Mm. this season, she's more a part of Anissa's story. And that really made me happy. And it's like, they're actually really starting to uh, work her into the story. And I'm, um, uh, although I have a feeling they're actually going to give her different superpowers as the show goes on. Like, they've they've kind of hinted at it, but they haven't fully revealed it yet. But they're taking her into the superhero realm, but... As far as I know, I don't
0: know what the hell they're planning to do with her, but I, I'm sure it's going to be really cool. I hope so. I think I'm going to have to start figuring out how to add that to our recording list for the to watch as they come out instead of watching them when it comes out on Netflix because it's just getting too good. Too good?
1: And also, I don't know if anyone listens from outside the United States, but a really great thing that Netflix is starting to do with Legends and Black Lightning is they mm. actually, as the season airs in America... They release it on Netflix outside of the US. Oh. So yeah, so it's and I'm like I'm like, that is so good because
0: like That's these it. shows are I'm jealous. Yeah, but it's good. these shows are getting <laughs>
1: to people outside of the US where they may not have queer content at all you know yeah. through Netflix. As long as they have Netflix, of of course.
0: Awesome. For us, of course, you just have to add it to your D V R girl. What I'm hoping is that maybe once Batwoman gets off the ground mm. that maybe they will Start more of a, like, a crossover series between Black Lightning oh, and Batwoman. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And I want Thunder, Like, that I would want be my Thunder ultimate meet, crossover.
1: I want Thunder to meet Batwoman so bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine this scenario? Batwoman hitting on Grace in front of Anissa Pierce. Mm. Like, what would happen? <laughs> like, that's what I want to see. Or, or, like, Batwoman or Kate Kane comparing tattoos with Grace Choi. Yes, like, and then Anissa yes. being like,
0: "What the hell is going on?" Here?
1: <laughs> um, that's what I want to see, because, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm just smiling ear to ear. You can't hear my joy. <laughs> I can't hear it. Just feel it. Yeah. No. Um.
1: It's Black Lightning. Whew. It's this yeah. man. I'm. They are really. Um. Yeah. They haven't. It's it's like the thing is they've they're like dipping our toe in the Grace Toy pond, <laughs> and then like and then like ba- basically there is like a huge yeah and then we we still don't know what's happening and the mid season finale happened, so if you haven't it's coming back soon yeah if you're not cu- if you're not soon. caught up get caught up because it's good I just want to say the last thing about Black Lightning is that it has the best balance between like the Black Lightning lead and Thunder. So they didn't just, like, give us Anissa Pierce and just have her be, like, a footnote on season one and, like, throw out some lesbian scenes with her. It was very well balanced because she was on a parallel journey to her father. And Mm -hmm. and it was just really, I mean, the pacing and everything,
0: the way they handled it was just really, really good. And so much of Black Lightning's story is also about his journey as a parent Mm -hmm. and so you couldn't do that without including the story of their child yes yes yeah they couldn't do that
1: since we brought up batwoman hitting on grace Choi, uh (laughs) dream scenario for a crossover i have to say the elseworlds crossover gave me Mm. more batwoman than i thought i was gonna get and I was really? so happy. I
0: think they did it. I, I was expecting less Batwoman. I, I was expecting all Batwoman, but that was probably just wishful that thinking. That was wishful thinking. I actually think the, sec- <laughs> the second episode, I think, of Elseworlds is when they go to Gotham, right? That was the one? It yes. wasn't. Just- yeah. And- so they kind of talk about Batwoman mm-hmm. a little in the first episode, just barely. Mm-hmm. And then. You actually get to meet Batwoman in the... So it starts in the Flash one. Then you meet her in the Arrow crossover for Elseworlds. And then in the third part of the crossover in Supergirl, they had already kind of established this super subtext, adorable, oh my god, so many feels between Supergirl and Batwoman. And they they just kind of play with it just a tiny bit. I know that they're they wanted to be, like, a superhero friendship, right? Mm-hmm. I did
1: not go into Elseworlds thinking I was going to ship Batwoman and Supergirl together. <laughs> and I'm, like... No? I was, like, no. watching it, and I was, like, Son of a bitch! I was, like, don't do it! Don't do it! <laughs> and then they, like, every conversation with them, I was, like, oh, my God. This is, like... uh, They're both dealing with dual identity issues. Uh, They both... Understand what it's like to like hide who you are and choose to like be a certain person to the you know, it's like,
0: yeah, and (laughs) like Supergirl is just so likable that I think, yes, I'm surprised that not everybody just wants to be with her. I mean, they kind of already do play with that a little bit just because she's just such a I can't talk, she's such an amazing person, yeah. Melissa Benoist (laughs) is like, she is, yeah. She's just,
1: she's so good. And her dynamic with Batwoman, like, we definitely need more of that because yeah. I they, like, were fast friends. That, like, final moment they have where, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, we make a great team. I was like, yes, you do. That is, like, I love that. Like, I was not expecting that moment to happen. And I think it's just really funny because uh, when she's still hiding who she is from Batwoman, like, like when, when Kara walks out of the room. And Batwoman's mm-hmm. just, like, mad dogging her, be like, mm-hmm, I know what you're gonna do, Supergirl, because I know who you are. <laughs> I know who all you motherfuckers are, because I'm Kate. I'm a detective! Because I'm Kate Kane, I'm up here in this building all by myself.
0: I got nothing. I got nothing better I to I got do. nothing but time. I got nothing <laughs> but time. in. it. in. it. It'll be interesting to see what they do with all of her back matter from the comics and what they do in don't include the major thing that i don't think they're going to touch on at all is that a big part of her personal storyline was about leaving the military because of don't ask don't tell yeah and it was such a good storyline but i don't think anyone's ever going to touch on it because it's not a struggle that we see today yeah
1: i'm uh, i'm not sure if they will either because you know if she's if they're just going to start off with the whole pronouncement that she's bruce wayne's cousin then mm-hmm they may not need to go into that whole backstory. You know, it might just be a thing where, like, they were close, they were relatives, he left, she doesn't know why, now she's in charge.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're trying to create a new storyline that is separate from the comics so that nobody gets too attached to, like, pre- conception that's
1: fine they actually on the c i mean they're notorious for doing that on the cw and i'm totally fine with it because they actually generally do a good job when they do that so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what they do one thing that i really like is that ruby rose's style i mean it's basically like that seems to be how she dresses normally in life and there's yeah yeah.
0: it's basically ruby rose is that so that must
1: be like a dream for her and i'm so
0: happy that she just gets to be herself and at least it's much more on target than casting has been in the past. So it's like it feels at least we're going in the right direction. Yeah, that's a good comment that I wanted to put out there. I'm like, just, she's, she's loved me. <laughs> and uh, being played by a queer woman. And that's what I'm happy about. So let's talk a little bit about some of Batwoman's romantic interests over the years and how they've been transferred between the comics and the show. So
1: obviously the first one that was introduced wasn't really introduced In a scenario where Batwoman existed, which was in Gotham Mm -hmm. in season one. right? It was Renee Montoya. She was introduced as a former lover of Barbara Keene, who was the fiancé of Jim Gordon at the beginning of the series. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that was a very weird
0: uh, scenario for me. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) I don't understand. You love this crazy woman. You're supposed to be better than this. Yeah.
1: I liked I liked Renee Montoya in Gotham. I liked
0: I liked Victoria. I, I did I did like Renee Montoya. I didn't love her decisions about romance in that show. <laughs> I'm disappointed in that. <laughs> I, wasn't disappoint-
1: I wasn't disappointed in that. <laughs> I mean, that was the only thing I really liked.
0: <laughs> so so okay, no. so here's the thing for me yeah. with Renee Montoya. Yeah. She is super important to me as a queer character in comics Mm -hmm. because she's the first out lesbian that I um, found when I was reading comics and from Greg Rucka's run with the series GCPD or Gotham City Police Department Mm -hmm. and It was just this one comic, I forget what issue it was. She's screaming, she has her hair tied back, she's screaming, and she's like being held back or dragged away by somebody that you can't see because it's too much of a close up shop. And there's just a necklace hanging with two, like the two intertwined female symbols. And I saw that in the comic shop and I was like, oh, my fucking God, lesbians in comics. Did you? In, did, in mainstream comics. Me, oh, my please God. Please tell me you screamed that as loud as possible
1: <laughs> in the comic shop.
0: I'm not much of a screamer. I definitely Honestly, said it really loud Honestly, if head.
1: everyone who's listening to this can just go into a comic shop and pick up some something queer and just be like, lesbians! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Let's all do it at the so, same time. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. But but anyway, so I, yeah. I guess I have a harder time being open to other storylines with Renee because it was such a pivotal part no, of my that's fair. personal representation. Yeah. So so Yeah, yeah like so. I
1: feel like they introduced her in season one because know. somebody on the writing team or development team wanted Renee Montoya in the show. And they're like, yeah. Well, if we're gonna do a story about G C P D and we're not gonna do it in Ray Montoya's timeline with Batwoman, then let's just get her in there. And I was like, that's fine. I remember watching the episode where it's first revealed that they were a thing, like when they have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I like, my heart stopped beating. Like, I was like, is this happening right now?
0: <laughs> so so your reaction to that was kind of like my reaction to that comic book yes, cover. Yes, it
1: was. And I like, <laughs> I did not expect it. And Victoria Cardigan Played it so well, and so did Aaron Richards, and that was like my favorite conflict of season one. Not just because it was gay, but because like it felt real to me because they dealt with, they kind of alluded to the fact that there were substance abuse involved on both sides, and that they both were like trying to be better people. And you know, uh, Barbara was like really struggling with her relationship with Jim, and I did like that dynamic. And I don't, I don't know why she just got written off or i mean she did end up in other things of course after gotham you know victoria did and yeah it was just kind of a shame to see her go because i'm like yeah kind of messes with the timeline if you
0: and her character and she made a great renee montoya yeah
1: she made a great renee montoya and then like she does show up in jessica jones but uh, victoria
0: plays the ex-wife of jessica jones's boyfriend and i mean that's marvel versus dc too so there's no connection
1: no I, I know there's no connection but it's yeah. also it's like i would have liked to see her go on to another marvel or dc show and play another superhero you know because
0: if the if, uh, like be a more major character yeah i'm like if the guys yeah. can play
1: like two or three characters in movies and tv then why can't she oh. and the thing is like i don't know if you followed uh, victoria's social media around the time that she was on the show but she no. really understood how important renee was and there's like a really great Instagram photo where she says, "Anybody got a question?" And she's wearing the hat. Oh. And like that's seriously, that is when that is when she won no, me over. Like she, that's queer baiting.
0: It, you know what? It's, it's <laughs> but in a completely different but way. But It's queer
1: baiting. But the thing <laughs> is, like the show wasn't playing up that character. She was. Yeah. She knew yeah. who that character was, and she was completely down. To play Rene Montoya to the core, and they just didn't go there, and it was super disappointing for me. I mean, they they do have a queer storyline for Barbara going forward, but it's more she's more of a
0: a villain. <laughs> yeah, I, that I, with I a mean, question mark. It, it kind of explains why they never <laughs> yeah. mention. Batgirl's mother. I mean, <laughs> there's stuff like maybe she just goes crazy. I know. Like, shit. there's just
1: like the main focus yeah. of the show is young Batman and Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. So, why would they touch on Batgirl at all? And now we're back to Batgirl. But, but, uh, <laughs> okay. I think it's also important to note that Rosie Perez is playing Renee Montoya in the Birds of Prey movie, which I'm super excited about.
0: Oh, yeah. Because yeah.
1: if it's, if, I mean, freaking Rosie Perez and. I'm like, I figure since they're going, since they cast someone who's older, mm-hmm. we'll probably get the question. <laughs> and that would be awesome. Especially because yeah. it's Birds of Prey. So yeah. And it's, can only it's Harley
0: help. Quinn too, right? Yeah, that,
1: it's a, yes, it is. It is actually, it's got a, it's actually, it's funny because they use the working title as the title of the film because it started as a joke. So it's called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Oh.
0: <laughs> that's freaking amazing (laughs) it's incredible
1: yeah and it started as a joke and then they're like that's totally what a harley quinn movie should be called (laughs) yes yes and then the cool thing is that ali wong is going to be an associate of renee montoya she's not her character's not credited yet Mm. but i'm like i really hope that she's not just like there i mean i'm happy she's in the movie but i'm like i'm kind of hoping she becomes like renee montoya's sidekick because mm-hmm. that would also be awesome.
0: <laughs> but anyway. And, and I think so it all started on Batman the Animated Series. Which actually makes a great Birds of Prey like reasoning. Because mm-hmm. Harley Quinn also got started on Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. So, so I'm
1: like. Yeah. I mean. So much good animated stuff out there.
0: Is there anything else you all want right. to talk about? Because I was going to move on to
1: the next paramour of Batwoman. Yes. Uh, yes. Let let us.
0: Let us. Okay. Transition all right, to the. So. Next, Paramore. <laughs> Maggie Sawyer. Oh, Maggie. I love Maggie. Like, in the comics, I love the the relationship that Renee has with Batwoman. And then how future Paramore Maggie Sawyer. Like, it just, it shows to me an evolution. It shows to me an evolution for... Batwoman or Kate Kane Mm -hmm. with her romantic life and in terms of the dynamic of those relationships and so it's like I like Renee I will never forget my first and then Maggie is like now I understand what a real relationship is supposed to be like and so yeah
1: and like both both Maggie Sawyer and Renee Montoya Mm -hmm. one's a badass cop and then the other one turns into be a superhero of
0: her own yeah I mean they're yeah and they're both badass cops to start yeah because Who else are you going to be and be involved with Batwoman in Gotham in a DC? Yeah, I'm just mainly property, saying that Maggie Sawyer, like, is basically continues just being a cop. Oh, continue. Yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. was Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think is what frustrated me about the Maggie Sawyer portrayal in Supergirl mm-hmm. was that she seemed a little less together. Than the Maggie Sawyer from the comics, which is one of the things I really love about okay. the comic book version. Yeah, and
1: so yeah, and she's played by Floriana Lima in the show, or was mm-hmm. sad, RIP, <laughs> RIP. I know she's not dead on the show, but it's she's not on it. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting that you say. Do you mean you don't think she had it together professionally, like as a cop or as
0: a person? <laughs> so what I. <laughs> A, a little bit of both. Like, it it seemed like she was always a little bit on edge. Like, there were times when she had it all together, and then it was just, like, it just kept going back and forth between being together and being on the edge of crumbling. And what I love about Maggie Sawyer, the cop from the Batwoman comics, and that relationship where they should have gotten married, mm-hmm. was that, and, you know, maybe this is because this is, like, further along in their relationship or whatever, but... Um, Maggie Sawyer is, is a superhero without superpowers. Yep. And she knows how to handle herself. And she knows what it means. Like, she's more intelligent about relationships with people than Kate Kane yep. is. Like, yeah. Kate Kane is kind of a mess. And Maggie Sawyer is the rock that kind of helps stabilize her. And so... Yeah, and, like, that's the whole
1: thing, and, like, we're, I think, as fans of the Maggie Sawyer from Supergirl with the, I love Floriana as, as Maggie, the problem is they didn't do enough with her, and I don't, and she never, Floriana never said specifically why she left a show, which I kind of understand as an actor why she wouldn't do that, Uh, but Kyler Lee at Clexicon when I went, I can't remember her exact phrasing, but someone in the Q&A was like, uh, what was, like, your favorite you know scene between you and Maggie or and Floriana and she alluded to the fact that it was probably cut out oh you should watch everything from Claxicon if you care about queer women and tv shows but they had a can you can you explain what Klaxicon is? okay just like really quickly okay Claxicon basically erupted after the 100 killed off uh spoilers uh a character called Lexa And she was in a relationship with a character named Clark, who's the lead of the show. They had a great uh, romance, and uh, after she was killed off, fans created a convention called Klexicon to honor that ship. They basically try to gather actors from shows and movies and other medium that portray queer women in a positive light, and they had a bunch of CW panels at their last convention in Las Vegas and Kyler did a panel all by herself, just talking about Alex Danvers. It just meant a lot for me to hear her say, I mean, she didn't like rip on the show, but she basically confirmed what we all thought because like there was that, that Valentine's day episode where they're like, Oh, it's going to be Sanvers centric. Cause that's the name. That was the name of the Alex Danvers and Maggie Suarez ship Sanvers, you know? And I know mm. a lot of people, I actually know somebody who came out be- because of that ship. You know, and that's how important these are. And That's awesome. And then, like, in that particular episode, they're like, it's going to be sand-centric. And then it's, like, what, two and a half minutes?
0: Yeah. It was pretty It's, it's pretty like bad. what happens in the comics half of the time. I know, but the thing um. is, like, they were, they were, like, saying, oh, it's there. you're
1: going to see a lot of Maggie and Kyler, you know, and Maggie and uh, Alex. And then we barely got any. And then,
0: yeah. And yeah. one of the interesting things, I think, with TV is that you don't necessarily, like, with comics... I think people are more likely to speak out about what happened or what went wrong with a project whereas with movies and television I think that there's more of a um a, yeah because you don't want to with TV and movie yeah. there there's more of a like where you can't talk about it where you you have to like sign away your your ability to talk yeah, about it yeah
1: and so like the, that's
0: what what is that called uh,
1: there's an NDA It's called NDA. It's an NDA. (laughs) NDA. And then also there's professional courtesy where if you want to get hired again, you don't badmouth people as you exit a show. So that could be the issue. She is actually going to be in the second season of Punisher, which I'm super excited Hmm. about. You know, she's going to play a character called Krista Dumont. So it's like Mm going to be like a therapist who uh, basically works with vets, uh, veterans of war. So I think maybe she'll be the Punisher's therapist. So that would be really cool. I think that kind of dampens my hope that she might appear in Batman or Batwoman because if she's going to be in The Punisher, maybe that's why she left Supergirl because she got an offer to be on The Punisher. But
0: yeah, I mean, possible. one can
1: only speculate, but I'm like, I was, I'm, I'm like losing hope every day that she, Maggie <laughs> Sawyer, as we know her from Supergirl, is going to be in Batwoman it's, and it really yeah. makes me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: And... Yeah. Okay. So, oh man, on. we didn't even think to talk about Harley Quinn in this episode, but we'll have to. You
1: know, I'll Harley be on Harley's
0: it. a bag of Harley. Yeah, so. and I think I think
1: my main thing, the main reason why I wouldn't lump her in with mm-hmm. uh, the characters we're talking about in this episode is because I want I want to highlight personally. I think it's important to only focus on characters that are uh, like. Honestly, canon in the live-action version. Like, I don't believe that Suicide Squad addressed that. They were hanging on all all their hopes on the Joker, and that's all they're focusing on. And even the Birds of Prey synopsis is about her breaking away from the Joker
0: and finding Poison Ivy.
1: I mean, if (laughs) they had that, I I mean, that would be great. Oh my god!
0: Like, they need to do it.
1: That's. I mean, they have a great cast for the film, but. I mean, just do it. It's
0: also it could be very easy to do the Harley Ivy relationship incorrectly and just make it for men to gaze at. It could be if but, it was like being done by the Batman Forever crew,
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's being done by I think I think this is being done by the right people, and I I trust Margot Robbie because she wants to own that character. She's like, if I'm gonna play Harley Quinn like she's being a total businesswoman about it and she's like this is my character and i want her to she actually did express interest in exploring that so it's kind of like similar to how ryan reynolds is owning deadpool you know like i
0: was gonna say like if next we should talk about somebody as crazy as harley quinn let's talk about deadpool (laughs) so yeah
1: yeah, I, I would say like Deadpool kind of does have similar traits to Harley Quinn in the sense that they're both kind of zany characters mm-hmm. and they have like this playful flirtation with, you know, th- the same sex and, you know, pansexual is kind of like how people would describe Deadpool. Yes. And I do like that they do address it in the films as far as like him constantly flirting with Colossus,
0: you know, yes. and then
1: there's the big butt. Of the fact that he's got both the films, despite him flirting and wearing stilettos and making all the jokes. And, you know, he's still the main romances between him and a woman.
0: It is interesting. It's like they're playing this line of like being really open about all this other sexuality that is not heteronormative. But everything's so jokey that it's hard to tell if it's like... The, the comedy tradition of it's funny when a man acts like a woman or if it's... I don't think
1: they're necessarily doing that like the relationship between Wade and Vanessa like I like it like I, I like it. I, I I mean, I, it I like it too I mean yeah. I think
0: they're handling it properly but I think a lot of bros that watch the movie don't necessarily see the honest queerness that's going on in that's front of that's true them. I do think and, the filmmakers
1: yeah. are sincere but the fact that they don't Solidify, like show him having like a sexual encounter with a man. It do, you're right. It does play in that whole thing where people can just kind of write it off as like, oh, that's just there for fun, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. We're that's just there to laugh at, and yeah. I I hope that at some point they can like it doesn't have to be a lot, <laughs> just like I don't know, I don't know. Like, make so it, make it show- see a little bit more serious.
1: Yeah, like, show them, like, having a, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to get, like, too edgy, but, like, maybe show them having a threesome with, like, a woman and a dude, or two dudes, I don't know. Yeah, Just, or,
0: I mean, or actually, maybe. They they have, they have that scene in the first one with, like, International Women's Day, right? where she's doing them in the butt with a strap-on. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so oh, it's I like, forgot about that. Yeah. They already
0: go that far, so why not? That's <laughs> you know? You're totally right. They could have just thrown in a guy. Well, I guess it's uh, interesting because with his pansexuality, they have Deadpool included in some of the kids' cartoons, which is always an interesting hmm. conversation at the museum <laughs> about what's I haven't appropriate seen- for that. I- I'm going to have to look those up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like. I had a whole bunch of like seven and eight year olds that were coming in for a while uh, a few years ago that were like, "We want to read Deadpool," and I was mm-hmm. like, "No, you will not." <laughs> but yeah, so he's. I, I hope that in future films that they're just more um, acknowledging in they like they they still need to make a joke out of it because it's Deadpool, but also have those serious moments with non heterosexuality things in addition to international women's day um yeah, yeah for and, sure. but yeah like you said i think i think they're in a good direction and are interested in a very complicated somewhat problematic but also insanely awesome representation of pansexuality like the deadpool comics are freaking amazing so. yeah like the uh, yeah
1: like the excerpt panel that i pulled for this episode is like the one where like him and spider-man are tied
0: up upside down together and he's like oh, stop yeah. moving <laughs> because he's like basically alluding to the fact that he has a boner and it's he says oh, i like... am totally going to unsheath my katana quote unquote, <laughs> all up against your quote unquote spider eggs yes. and by katana i mean <laughs> yeah it's so good and the spider-man it's just yeah. like like so i could think it's
1: just oh my god it's <laughs> i mean but in that scenario it's like so realistic cuz it's like there are two guys and they're smushed up against each other <laughs> so <laughs> things are rubbing
0: <laughs> so it's yeah. all they're all tangled up together they're, they're both like, like they're in like spandex, super entwined. So, yeah yeah, yeah anyway. you so you feel everything <laughs> yeah so that's like that's
1: i i just That, to me, like, I looked at a lot of panels, but that was the one that I was like,
0: yes, that one's so funny. This embodies what what is queer awesome about Deadpool.
1: And on the trail of talking about queer men being Mm -hmm. represented, now let's go on to my favorite one at the moment, John Constantine.
0: So yeah, tell me about John Constantine, because when you mentioned the queer representation with him, I was like, wait, what? yeah so, yeah you
1: know like and so that's, tell me more see like it kind of there was a little hubbub when the keanu reeves movie came out because a lot of people were wondering if they were gonna address it then but, but you know basically he's bisexual and uh how it, how
0: when in the comics do they establish i don't
1: that? i i have to say i haven't read every single one but the the best storyline is uh came out in 2015 and it is called Constantine the Hellblazer. And the art was by Riley Rossmo. And the it was written by Ming Doyle. And in the comic, it's so good. It's basically also what I believe they're sourcing for the current season of Legends of Tomorrow. In season four. Because John Constantine is now a series regular. So I feel like they're also drawing from this. Because basically he has a love interest in this comic book named oliver and who basically owns a diner that constantine goes to while he's like dealing with all this stuff and he's kind of like he's attracted to him in the beginning but he's like you know his whole inner monologue like nothing good can happen to me you know so he mm. initially he's like i'm attracted to this guy but i'm gonna avoid him so he avoids him and then like you're going along the story. Of, you know, the book and then he just serendipitously just keeps running into him and then they strike up a little romantic relationship and, of course, he unwittingly gets, you know, brought into the fold of the drama that's going on in the comic of uh, the Hellblazer comic book, which is basically... In this particular story, he's being haunted by a vengeance demon. So basically he gets roped into the drama, not necessarily with the vengeance demon, but in dealing with the vengeance demon, Constantine unwittingly sets off like a chain reaction of other stuff that basically puts Oliver in the kind of in the sights of this demon called Neuron. And mm. the great thing is that basically Oliver, although he's not named Oliver in Legends of Tomorrow, I believe a um, inspiration for the character of Desmond on this current season, who's basically kind of the same scenario of Legends of Tomorrow, where Constantine's like I had this boyfriend, his name was Desmond, he owned a diner in New, uh, but this time it's in New Orleans, and in the comic book, Oliver has is divorced and has two kids, two daughters in the show the character desmond is single and just works at the diner so i think they probably did that to simplify the story a bit Mm -hmm. and it basically of course nothing ends well for constantine so they do mention neuron in the show as well so i'm basically like if you read constantine the hellblazer and watch season four of legends of tomorrow you'll see the parallels And I really love that they're drawing from this story particularly because they also address some of Constantine's backstory where he actually like in his younger years, as he was like a budding demonologist, he actually links up with another sorry,
0: I I love that. As a budding demonologist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what that's what it is. It is what it is.
0: So it it, it's great because it also
1: (laughs) introduces this character that I would love them to bring to freaking the CW, Georgina Snow. And Georgie for short. And Mm -hmm. she is also basically a budding demonologist who ends up working for Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service. But when they were younger, Constantine meets her and her girlfriend, Veronica Delacroix, and basically ends up kind of stealing Veronica from her. Uh, Georgina's a little, you know, sour about that. She doesn't completely hate Constantine just because, like, Veronica ends up kind of choosing him over her. That's one reason. But she also kind of feels like he's reckless you know and she does Mm. things very much like by the book and she does not she takes things way more serious than him he's way more of a rogue than she is when it comes to this kind of stuff they have a falling out when they're younger so they kind of explore that and then they explore the fact that in modern times when he's dealing with all this drama surrounding oliver and this vengeance demon he has to reconnect with her and kind of rehash their past so i'm like if that's the story they're drawing from for Legends of Tomorrow this season, in season four, I would trust them to maybe introduce Georgina Snow at some point. That would be awesome. Like, that would add another lesbian black woman to the CW, like, network. And, and it, yeah.
0: It, is the Desmond or Oliver also a character of color?
1: Yes. Uh, Desmond is black and Georgina's black. But obviously Georgina is not in Legends yet. Mm. I say yet yeah because I'm just like, it's I know, like, you're it's just like, like my vision board. Like, I'm
0: putting it out there, and if I just keep saying it, then it'll happen. Yes. Georgie in <laughs> the
1: snow. Georgie in the snow. Uh, she's so, like, honestly, just read it. I just love the idea of having someone who's just as good of a demonologist as Constantine, who's just seriously not having any of his crap. <laughs> <laughs> like and also uh, Matt Ryan does a great job as Constantine and he also does a lot of the voice acting for the current animated stuff that they're doing around Constantine. He's also he he's so good as Constantine. Like it's great to see him interacting with the team. And obviously like in season 3, he had like a little fling with Sarah Lance. Yeah. Okay. Although I do have to say I think his first kiss with a man that was shown on Legends of Tomorrow is actually with like a supporting character named Gary Green, who's mm. kind of like this comic relief character, who's really funny, and they like play D and D together at the end of the episode. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and it's he's played by Adam Seckman. So they like basically allude a lot that he kind of has a crush on Constantine. And it's really adorable. So yeah,
0: that's awesome. I, I love overall about like all of these shows that there is a, a a pretty good amount of representation for characters of color. There's not a lot of uh, like Indian or Muslim character representation at this point. Well, there is Zari, who they added this season, uh, or uh, last season on Legends of Tomorrow. But she's not a queer character, correct? Or <sighs> Not yet. Set up in the air. <laughs> not yet. Again, like, with your vision Dear born. Lord. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. I have to say,
1: honestly, I'm probably gonna gush about Legends of Tomorrow at least once an episode, because... I love the show so much. She was born in a reality where metahumans were outlawed and where religion was outlawed. Mm. And she was basically a rogue because her family continued to practice their religion. And they were also metas. But because of her her reality, in her reality, in her mind, she was raised to be a hard ass. So... She's basically the April Ludgate of Legends of Tomorrow, as far as, like, personality. I was like, I knew I was going to like Legends when they announced that Sarah Lance was going to be a big part of it. Season three and four just, I mean, four is not even over yet. And I think every episode I'm, like, re-falling in love with that show. Every single episode. And it's just, honestly, I haven't felt this way since the queerest episodes of Known
0: Herb. <laughs> so that's saying a lot. And, and I know how you feel about Wynonna Herb. Yes. We'll get, we'll get to that eventually yes. for everyone yes. else. eventually. One
1: thing that I would like to point out is that if you notice, like, most of the positive stuff that we've been talking about has not been about film. And there's a reason for that. Because as much as we've had queer characters in our TV shows inspired by comic books, they have yet to be in the films. And have you seen Dark City? No,
0: I haven't. Oh, I'm sorry. my God. I'm sorry.
1: Okay, so basically there's this scene in Dark City where there's a guy who's like an ex-cop and he's going crazy and he's just painting circles on the wall. And William Hurt goes in to see him. He's talking nuts. That's how I felt when I got this epiphany. Because I literally was like, you know what? I can say over and over again till I'm out of breath. There needs to be more queer superheroes represented on film because I love TV, but it's really easy for critics and just people who don't care about these TV shows to write it off when mm-hmm. they don't make it into a movie. Because there's something that happens when you make a superhero film that solidifies it in our culture. If you only make a TV show about something, so it's easier for people to write off. I don't know what it is. Right. Like, it's almost yeah.
0: like a classist thing. It's like It's yeah. like... TV shows, the everyday thing that you watch every week or whatever, and so it, the production quality is usually not as great, but the the acting...
1: But the thing is, like, it depends on the show, the writers, yeah. how they handle the material. I mean, I know that it's there's a lot of other factors, like, you know, movies take longer to make and yada yada, but I'm not buying that anymore. So what I did, because I went on IMDb, you cannot see the budgets of animated films or... TV shows, So I focused primarily on looking up the budgets for about 60 superhero movies, live action movies that were made mm-hmm. that feature heterosexual men in primarily in the leads and in the title. Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Punisher, Green Lantern, Ghost Rider, Blade, Hellboy, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Ant-Man. I even include, included Howard the freaking Duck in my research, okay? Because he's a Marvel character. Yeah. So I did not include the stuff that's based on Pulp, like Zorro and Phantom. And I still got up to about 60 movies because they don't publicize a lot of these budgets, but they do for the live action films. Mm -hmm. They've spent upwards about $6.5 billion on movies that are about heterosexual men. And you know how much money they've spent on movies where the queer character has... Their name in the marquee as well as top billing and has a queer relationship in the movie?
0: No. Uh how much did they spend on Zero. Like would Zero. Yeah, I was like, could you even count Deadpool? Zero. Yeah, so because there I'm, hasn't been any. So
1: Yeah, so it's not enough. To point out the fact that there hasn't been a queer character, and that's just an estimated total that is not including the TV spinoffs of Batman, Superman, and I specifically didn't include the female superhero movies because that's I'm not really trying to make the case about female representation.
0: Wait, I, 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 mean, just, I mean, yeah, like they're they're just now getting to like yeah any superhero movies with a female lead that have a theatrical release like there was a supergirl movie long ago but it never it was kind of weird so i understand why it didn't get a theatrical release we just got wonder woman and we just got black panther
1: you want to know how far off we are from like being okay with the amount of queer representation in film well we're about 6.5 billion dollars away from knowing what it feels like to be properly represented so which is what like
0: 50 years or more yeah and
1: that and that's just an estimate that's not including the upcoming movies that they have and you know i don't know if there's going to be queerness in captain marvel because i'm at the point where i want them to prove me wrong (laughs) uh
0: yeah no it's hard like i know there have been queer creators that have been involved in the the new captain marvel that have been doing an awesome job with her representation and she reads as a very queer character but even in the storylines in the comics i don't remember there being any queer relationships but there is very much a queer that entire trailer is queer like like, (laughs) under undertone (laughs) i'm like you put
1: i mean as soon as i saw her in like the casual clothes like the jean jacket and the hat i was like oh swoon Damn. That,
0: that's also, like, that's the strong female character automatically becomes it, I queer mean, kind of thing. I mean, I know it is, but just... But but we have to take what we get because we, that's but all that's we get. But that's the thing, like, and that's, why, and that's why I,
1: like, begrudge... I was like, yeah. I was, like, what... When I was doing... When I was researching these numbers, I was, like... And there's really not a lot of resources for, like, the TV shows. Like, honestly, I, I would go down that rabbit hole and research all the money because, like, really... When That's what I like, really think about when people are all like, stop trying to shoehorn in queer characters, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it may feel like they're everywhere because TV is on a lot and there's a lot of episodes of these TV shows that aren't including queer characters. But it's important to realize it's about investments. You just think of the movies that have been redone with different actors. Especially Superman, Batman, and even the Hulk where like they did two relatively close to each other. And like Hellboy, it's like I loved Hellboy and they're remaking it already. You know, which is fine. I I think it's gonna be good. But it's like things like that. It's Is is that a remake? I thought that was
0: just the next movie.
1: I think they're or is it a rubi- they're remake it's a different Hellboy. Okay. So Oh it's, right, right. It's yeah, David it's a new actor. Yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of what I think about. And I like if even if I begrudgingly like include Wonder Woman,
0: it's it's her queer upbringing is. Yeah, the no, like, yeah definitely. Yeah.
1: But the thing is, they didn't show any queer relationships. She kind of she has a really good conversation about like how she views sexuality, but. Steve Trevor is very much the love interest for her. And
0: yeah. it, it is interesting that like on Themyscira didn't seem like it was a secret that there were queer relationships. But yeah, they didn't they didn't focus on that particularly outside of just that the women were all very close to one another. And you could tell that there had been. Relationships, Like, the way that people acted around each other. I mean, yeah, but that's what we, we see. Tell. But, yeah. I mean... But, the, but your the thing average is, person may not read yeah, into that.
1: But the thing is, like, say you make a very good argument to someone who doesn't believe what you believe, they can always come back with, it wasn't in the movie.
0: But at, at least we got the line about men only not being necessary for pleasure and only for reproduction <laughs>
1: no i know no so, i know that as and like, i'm at like at least yeah, yeah i know you
0: know but. i
1: know but it still kind of bugs me i also kind of included tank girl but i was like it's not it's like not even really it's her, yeah because i
0: saw her as a huge queer icon for me but she also was not like, yeah. It was and, her and Booga. It yeah. was people like on these shows like
1: Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, even you know, is is integrating like has a queer character now.
0: Awesome trans characters on TV. An awesome
1: trans character now on Supergirl. They're doing this all with, like, a fraction of these big studio budgets. And, like, that's the thing that I really want to point out. They're spending so much money on these movies. Yeah. They're not investing in us. Every Marvel movie that goes by without a queer character in it, every DC movie that goes out by without acknowledging queerness or having a queer character, that's just another movie that fails our community. And I just, I, I just, I feel like I'm just tired of being like, oh, well, maybe next time.
0: Or making I'm like, excuses. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's yeah. hard because on one hand I see the cycle which I think is a good cycle that will eventually lead to more representation but the, the amount of time that it's taking is just freaking ridiculous. And yeah. with like representation in the comics, like take Archie and Kevin Keller mm-hmm. and then being able to see that in a television show and then they add a whole bunch more of queer characters and then... Being able to take that back to the comics, but it, it just it seems like between comics and the t- television shows that the production schedules that they have are much more open to being able to make this kind of progress. Whereas like the production schedule and like how many freaking years ahead are we already pre booked for movies? I mean, and that's
1: fine. But if you look <laughs> at it this way, the first Iron Man movie was in two thousand eight. Yeah, which and was Leg- 10 Legends years ago. of Tomorrow. What has been on the air for four years? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. They've done more for queer characters in four years than Marvel's done since Iron Man, and they mm-hmm. had and they mapped out the universe from Iron Man. So I, this whole thing where they're like, "Oh, well, you know, it takes a couple years to make a movie." I'm like, "Um, you had since 2008, and you plan this out in advance." Yeah. So, the fact that maybe we'll get a queer character in 2021 headlining a movie. Which which movie is that? I don't know what it is, because oh. they haven't made it yet. <laughs> all, all, all I was I'm, like, have you heard this? Where be, is because, this? because the thing <laughs> is, they haven't announced one, so there's definitely not one happening up until 2020, unless mm. unless Captain Marvel's
0: miraculously right. a queer woman, which I don't think is going to happen. What and I'm may- hoping yeah. is that, like because so we were talking about diversity and representation, and I would be really curious that with better representing the current generation that the new miss marvel oh kamala khan kamala khan yes yeah. if i'm curious if anyone would ever think or dare or be willing to explore the idea of her being pansexual or of that universe that she's in being more open and acknowledging of things like being away from the gender binary and i mean that would i think that would be really cool i think yeah uh, I think definitely. that the like I hope also that the Miles Morales universe for Marvel will be that way. I mean there wasn't mm-hmm. any representation of that at all in Spider-Verse. It wasn't a- mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, that's fine. But
1: I mean, I animated films it's I I would like them to
0: explore that more but uh yeah. I mean I'm I not... mean Spider-Gwen could totally be pan. <laughs> yup. I don't know. <laughs> uh
1: yes, but you know, I want I'm at the point. Mm-hmm. where I want someone to prove me wrong yeah and i want someone what's we're at the beginning the cusp of 2019 just starting right now i want to be proven wrong i want someone listening to this months from now maybe towards the end of 2020 uh beginning of 2021 to be like oh yeah they announced this queer movie uh, a superhero movie at comic-con isn't that great you were wrong and that's a good thing that's what i want. But I am at the point where I literally am just so bitter that I do not believe, I do not trust the DC or Marvel like cinematic universe to accurately depict anyone from the queer community. It's not enough for us to be a supporting character. So even if Valkyrie is confirmed to be bisexual in the ensemble Avengers Infinity War, because Kevin Feig said, because when, when the playlist asked him, where mm-hmm. the queer characters are. He's, he, his answer, they, they were like, it's, it's not someone we've seen yet, I'm guessing. And he said, both. He said, both ones you've seen and ones you haven't seen. And I'm like, elaborate, please. <laughs> cause I'm like, cause what that to me says, oh, maybe we'll confirm someone's queer. Maybe yeah. we'll do that. And maybe we'll have a queer couple in our little ensemble movie. That's not necessarily what we need. We deserve a standalone movie with a queer protagonist, it. I don't care what, how they identify. I just feel like it's beyond time for that. And we're, <laughs> we're billions of dollars behind the gun on this. Even if we got a queer movie in 2021, it would be, it's almost, it feels like too little too late because like the amount of movies that get made that don't focus on queer superheroes are always going to outpace it. Because yeah,
0: I I still have I still hold out hope for the next Wonder Woman movie. I mean, it takes place in the Mm eighties, so (laughs) maybe, maybe, maybe.
1: Ever since San Junipero, anything from the eighties is just by default gay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. There you go. Um, There's hope for us all. But but like honestly, like
1: I feel I feel like it's a fucked up version of Field of Dreams.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's
1: like I feel like I'm James Earl Jones telling Kevin feed Kevin Costner to build the field and people will come and spend their money and give and do exactly you know and like Kevin and, Costner and they just like, won't freaking And they listen. won't even know <laughs> but then basically what happens is he sells the farm they bulldoze it and build a Walmart. That's how I feel. <laughs> that's how I feel. Oh, oh, that's even worse. <laughs> that's what I feel like's happening. Like we're like we'll spend the money and he's like eh.
0: Well, <laughs> well, let's get back to your vision board. Vision. And let's talk about if you could take any queer character from comics and give them their own television or movie, who would it be? America Chavez.
1: And I i actually, I would like to do this in two ways. I'd like to do it for a male and a female character. Because Yeah, think, go for it. Uh, so if female-led movie... If they don't announce an America Chavez movie coming in 2021 or 2022, at least I'm gonna lose my mind because <laughs> that is like I know they're make, they just made an animated thing with her and Miss Marvel and Scroll Girl and that's gr- and Captain Marvel that's great, but we need a live action America Chavez. She, this is the perfect time for her. So. If she's not an Easter egg in Captain Marvel, that's a missed opportunity. If she doesn't show up in Infinity War, again, missed opportunity. If they don't announce her as one of, like, the bajillion new things that are untitled that are supposed to be coming in 2021, what are you guys doing? Like, she's such
0: a great character. We'll have to start, like, a mailer campaign for this. I mean,
1: you know, <laughs> uh, Stephanie Beatrice from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine actually dressed as her for Halloween awesome. one year. And it. I'm like cast this woman (laughs) like she's openly bisexual she like totally down to play the character and she'd be great at it and for the male character i want them to do a Midnighter series
0: yeah i thought about that too yeah for mine i guess i will go for so okay i can't i can't get enough of renee montoya so i would love a question movie standalone film no doubt would be great yes (laughs) 100 percent And so I'm excited about the, I mean, hopefully we'll get that from the Harley Quinn movie. But then otherwise, who was I telling you? I was telling you about Mero was one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. Your little X-Men lady. Yeah. So like totally underrepresented, totally like side. I love giving side characters this like spotlight to totally become something new like kind of the way that guardians of the galaxy was a a, uh, comic and became Mm -hmm. an amazing movie series what was that Um. again the uh yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm not familiar with the genre Uh,
1: (laughs) no but you're right like i think that's also why i'm drawn to legend of tomorrow because they brought like a motley crew of characters you know yeah. that you never would have thought could carry a series into the world, and it's they're basically like, see, this is how you bring comic book characters to life. I feel like one comic contains enough material for a, a movie, even yeah, you know. Yeah, I no, mean? they're they're basically
0: yeah. storyboards, and my other one is also something that's kind of already in the the works with Colossus, but I'd love to see Colossus get to shine on his own and explore. Okay his relationships.
1: I am actually kind of surprised they haven't done a Colossus standalone. That is interesting. Movie. Yeah. I don't know what they were going for with the X-Men Origins thing. I think they maybe just started that for Wolverine. I I don't know if they were planning to do more but <laughs> Yeah, I don't of, know. It, yeah, yeah, there was the
0: big buzz about the Origin Wolverine Origins comic back when mm-hmm. I was in college and mm-hmm. um so I think they were just trying to capitalize on that. But anyway, so in the in the forums, I think we want to also put out there and ask you to tell us which confirmed queer characters would you like to see in a movie or television series?
1: Like stand then, alone, like they're
0: headlining. Like, yeah, they're it's headlining. Like, it. It's they're like they would be the headliner. Yeah. 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 Um, and tell us and then we'll get those letter writing campaigns going. We'll tell them who to do, <laughs> uh, how to do it, and wait, wait, you know, no, like, you'll get like, your movie by
1: 2021. <laughs> or uh <laughs> 20, 30, 5 million. I don't know. <laughs> Thirty, twenty-one. Thirty, 30, 29. <laughs> oh, man. Let's just
0: keep saying numbers. I like this game.
1: 40 million bajillion <laughs>
0: uh, triceratops. <laughs> In the year triceratops. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for night. Yep. Queer Comics Podcast
1: is a part of the Geek Therapy Network. It is mixed and edited by me, Jessica Vasquez, and co-produced by Josue Cardona. Today's podcast also features original music by Tyler Francis, so if you like what you hear, make sure to check out his bandcamp page, linked in the description, or follow him on Instagram at Tyler Irl underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Queer Comics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And check out more shows in the Geek Therapy Network at network.geektherapy.com.